Welcome to Making Our Way Forward, a podcast where we share compelling life stories and learn from the experience of everyday entrepreneurs. At NACI, we celebrate diversity and invite you to join the conversation as we talk to entrepreneurs and leaders from all walks of life. We hope that by telling their stories, we bring you inspiration, empower you to take action, and ignite entrepreneurship in your community. Hi, I'm Rebecca Corbin, President and CEO of NACI, and I'm your host for today's episode. We're back in our studio to close out Women's History Month with our special guest, Please welcome Christy Jackiewicz, an advocate for positive change and development for all people at the Department of Energy. As Chief Minority Educational Institution Division in the Office of Economic Impact and Diversity, Christy engages with the Department of Energy's program offices, laboratories, and field sites to establish internships, research opportunities, grants, and cooperative agreements with MSIs that stand for minority-serving institutions. These relationships include capabilities of stakeholders to build pipelines to STEM leaders of the future. This aligns beautifully with the work that NACI does, and we are thrilled to welcome Christy to the program today. So Christy, welcome. Thank you for joining us for the Making Our Way Forward podcast. And I'd like to begin by just taking you back in time a little bit to when you were a student at Eleanor Roosevelt High School. And I know you had the opportunity as a young woman to be exposed uh, to STEM. So maybe you could share with our listeners um, what that experience was like and how it shaped um, the career steps that you took later. Um, so, yeah, it's a really interesting story. That was a great opportunity for me. Eleanor Roosevelt was a beautiful campus. I remember we didn't have windows because of the focus on uh, science and the belief that students would perform better without being able to look out of windows, we were allowed to eat outside uh, for lunchtime. So that was kind of cool instead of being in a cafeteria. Uh, there were a lot of uh, field trips and exposure that um, we received, especially in the advanced placement classes that not all the students received. Some students were attending because they were local. And um, that was probably my biggest observation is just realizing that the opportunities weren't the same for everyone, but that the opportunities were beneficial for everyone. So I think that was the first time I really realized that there needs to be an advocate for all students to have access to information and opportunities, regardless of where they are on the performance scale, because some of the things that we got exposed to helped with our performance. So very good experience for me, something that has changed my life. And I actually didn't remember the love I had for science until I came to the Department of Energy because I ended up in a different agency where it was all customer service. So um, I would say my coming into Department of Energy in 2017 was the moment that it really connected the dots between uh, my experience in high school and that science kind of focus, and then coming into an agency that's very science-focused. It really stirred something for me. That's a beautiful reflection that you have. And my colleague and co-host, Jeff Smith, and I, 
talk about that a lot, the power of reflection and to the power of serendipity. Um, even your example of, of the windows, you know, not letting the light in to, you know, you, you managed to find a way, I, I think, to, to open windows or, you know, sort of break through and um, find that which inspired um, yourself. And you and I met as part of an energy summit a, a while ago, which was really interesting. It was talking about innovations and energy. And I was really encouraged as I listened to you speak, you, you're new in your role as, as a public official. So that's kind of cool. And you were talking um, a little bit about being the chief of minority educational institutional division um, in economic impact. And tell us a little bit about um, what that's been like for you to transition into that role and maybe what some of your, your goals are for, for your unit. Yeah, sure. That's a really great question. So I came from uh, the small business office. I was the deputy director over there, director for a while, and then the deputy director and uh, advocacy is something I've done for over 20-something years. So the educational part of it, or, or kind of moving into the broader economic development, was a wonderful transition for me into broadening my impact from an advocacy perspective, uh, really getting involved with the educational institutions, understanding the needs of the students, um, increasing my access to interns, which I had done all my career, um, so all of that really uh, was like putting a bow on that whole advocacy uh, career that I've experienced and being able to just have a bigger impact. Um, I still love small businesses. I love helping them. But there is something about that bigger window of how do you bring the young people into those opportunities so that it's a more sustainable impact than just trying to help people who are, are there right now. So I love the growth of of education to, you know, wherever they want to go. Yeah, I, I love that too. I've always been a huge fan of education and business. And I think the intersection and thinking about how you can create things and even through the equity lens where you're helping people create wealth and, and, and opportunity when, you know, maybe they didn't have access to capital, maybe they didn't have access to education. I would love for you to tell us a little bit about the interns and maybe some of the young folks that you're working with. You know, what are their backgrounds? What what kind of projects do you have them working on? Yeah, uh, thank you for the opportunity to talk about that because there's some really great stories there. So currently, um, we manage, my office manages the Minority Educational Institutions Partnership Program for Students or Student Partnership Program. It's called MESEP. <laughs> it's a really long title. Um, we get about 900 applicants every year. We're only able to place about 50, so it's very competitive uh, because the program offices have to pay into the program in order for the students to have a spot. However, uh, I currently have the University of Maryland interns, and what the University of Maryland has done is they have paid for the interns through their educational program. Uh, so they fund the interns. All we have to do is open the door. And I really love that model because it allows more students to get these um, employment experiences without it being a financial burden on the agencies. So I have three University of Maryland interns, one's pre-med, one's bioengineering, and one is public policy. And these students are very interested in the economic impact office because they want to understand from the medical perspective, the pre-med student wants to understand how um, these social determinants affect who gets medication, who gets 
um, help, what type of help they receive, and how she can be a better doctor in the future by understanding uh, what uh, underserved communities are experiencing. And the bioengineer, she's interested in understanding the policy around uh, who gets benefits and things like that and, and, you know, what needs to be done on a broader scale. And she really believes in um, a different type of learning. So she wants to see from an educational perspective how we are developing students, technical assistance and things like that and where we can improve. And, of course, the public uh, policy uh, person, he is very interested and understanding policy as a whole in the government and how he can make an impact. So it's so amazing to see these students come in from so from a very broad uh, perspective of what their focus is from a degree, but they all find something tied to policy, understanding that a lot of change starts there. And if they can understand what that is and maybe influence it, then they may be able to create a world that they see being more fair and equitable to others. Wow. And you see that a lot with that generation. They're very, very hopeful. (laughs) I mean, mean, they're basically going to be taking care of the two of us. (laughs) Let's be honest. That's a good thing. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's really interesting, especially Christy in the context of the pandemic. I mean, health is front and center. And we have a fellow that works out of the NACI office, um, Gabriella, who is um, on a path to go to medical school as well. And it's very interesting to me how I always thought, you know, that, you know, doctors and, and people like that follow like a prescriptive path, but having them be exposed to the work that you do at Department of Energy and business and all kinds of things, it just, it, it I think makes for a much more robust um, student and ultimately, you know, professionals. So I think that's um, just amazing. And you had mentioned a little bit about public policy. In your bio, you mentioned um, valuing effective public policies that expand opportunities for all people and reduce hardships of the most vulnerable. So can you speak to that? And how do you, how, in your mind, who is the most vulnerable? I mean, kind of we all are, but I mean, there are segments of of our population that are really um, experiencing this. So maybe share with us what that means and, and how you see that. Yeah, so I worked in the policy office for um, acquisitions for a while, and one of the things, uh, the red tape that I experienced was, you know, someone would say this policy does not serve this community anymore, and then there was this long process of evaluating the policy, recommending changes, so many people had to review it to approve the changes, and I've seen, you know, it actually take a year or more for something that everybody can see right now is not working to get it to the point where it's at least helping a little bit better, but it may not be perfect because so many things change during the time the policy is being put in place. And so that is something that has stood out to me for many, many years, whether it's from a business perspective or others. So I would say at the time that I was in policy, it was really from a contracting perspective and looking at how some contracting practices were um, hurting small businesses and how we could change those practices to create a more fair, competitive atmosphere in in, um, business without taking away from those who were successful. But then, you know, I'm also seeing that from the educational perspective, right? We have a mandate to support uh, a broad range of minority-serving institutions, 
but we don't always see that broad range getting as much attention as maybe one or two. And I won't name those either because I'm sure everybody knows, but there is something in that that I am working towards creating more equitable access for the minority uh, student communities, but also being sensitive to the culture behind why certain uh, minority-serving institutions are getting more attention than others, and what is the balance with that, right, without taking anything away from anyone, but also recognizing there's a need across the board. So uh, I just want to be a part of the solution, right, but also not disrupting anything that is helping others. Um, so, yes, yeah, very, very thin ice <laughs> in trying to create that balance, but it's definitely an area that I'm seeing um, some disparities that are concerning. So I'm working, I'm doing what I can in my role, right? We can't change other people or, or other situations, but we can do something different for ourselves. So what I've done with my staff this year is I've divided them between the minority serving institutions to make sure there's somebody focused on each category and encouraging them to be creative and, and outside the box thinking about how they can help and serve. And community colleges is one of those that came up from my, one of my staff, uh, Chester Scott, who said, you know, I know community colleges are part of the minority serving institutions and a big part of the PBIs, the predominantly black institutions, but I don't hear a lot happening for them. So that uh, was a great tie for me to speak at your event. Yeah, I think that's really important. And, you know, we've, as a as an organization, Macy is a nonprofit organization, have gotten um, much closer to MSIs and HBCUs and, and supporting um, colleges that serve um, people of color, although some of them are becoming much more diverse. They're not all just serving people of color, which is kind of an interesting, exciting um, thing. But I, I think what we have learned, too, is that you know, sometimes even small inroads make a big difference. Um, and just recognizing um, and honoring there are inequities in the system. I'll tell you from the community college perspective, we sometimes see that between universities and community colleges. If you look at the flow of funding um, and just knowing the hundreds of colleges that we work with, I mean, they do, particularly the rural colleges, do so much with just a little bit. And it's amazing um, how innovative. So I'm, I'm going to be really interested. We're going to have to check back with you um, over a period of time. And I'd love to hear about some of the innovative solutions that your staff is coming up with, because it sounds to me, um, you know, in terms of your role as an advocate and also um, customer service, I mean, that, I mean, everybody should be a waiter or waitress at some point in life. So you learn, <laughs> you learn how to serve people, literally. Um, but I just, I think that spirit of honoring what's there and what's good and what's important, but, but trying to expand that out. I, I've heard that the other time that you presented too, and, um, to you and your colleagues, um, from all of us, you know, from the community college space, we really, really appreciate, um, that advocacy. And as the time goes by, we have some minutes left and I really want to lean into this part of our discussion. Um, we always take the, the opportunity to highlight people that are making their way forward like you and others, um, whether they have public, you know, more high-profile roles or they're kind of everyday people behind the scenes. And one question that we always ask them is, you know, number one, how has the experience of the pandemic kind of um, changed the way um, maybe that you operate on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, beyond just Zoom, because we all do that now. Um, and then secondly, what what inspires you? What are you most hopeful about, Christy? So maybe just 
as we close out and take a few minutes to share um, what you'd like to share about that. Yeah, well, a few of my favorite things that have come out of the pandemic, um, I came from an agency that was almost full, fully telework. And when I came to DOE, I did not see that progression. And so as the acting director for about nine months, I was able to put my staff on full time telework, which I'm sure was a shock to everybody. Uh, they were only coming in the office maybe two days a week. And it was a small office, so it actually created a lot of air and, and uh, room for people. Um, but uh, the pandemic has shifted the government in the areas where people were not open to that type of work-life balance. They didn't believe in it or trust it and where they've had to endure it and see the productivity of employees and what they're capable of. And I always say a good performance plan will secure a lot of things. So you either, if you know what you want your employees to do, make it very clear, let them do their job, they're adults. And if they don't perform, you know, try to hold them accountable as much as possible. But um, I think people are much more capable than we give them credit for. So I think the pandemic has really highlighted the ability of people to perform in challenging circumstances and still get the job done. And certainly I've seen my team perform in an excellent way, and I'm so proud of them. Um, as far as uh, kind of dreaming about the future, you know, what I would really like to see is um, just more visibility around the breadth of minority groups that need attention, right? Just not just minority groups, but those advocacy roles that people are taking. Why are they advocating for these different things? Something's happening in those communities if you have an advocate, right? And just paying more attention to what that is, how we can help, uh, how we can come together as a community in this country and really serve each other. Because I think that what has stood out over the years is uh, whether we're together or divided, right? And the power of our unity really is impressed upon our allies and those who are not for us. And the more unified we are, the stronger we are. And I know people know this logically, but something still happens in this country where division becomes um, some kind of power play. And it's not. It only hurts us and it only hurts the people who are looking at us. So I would love to see just this real unity around making a difference in this country in the areas where we're falling short and everybody having some kind of um, commitment to helping whatever their focus is, whatever it is they think is important, having a commitment to serving in that way. Because it's one thing to do a job where you get paid for it, but it's another thing to give your heart to something that you really think you care about. And I tie things to core values, right? We say life should look like this and we should live a life that, that drives that, right? Rather than saying one thing and living differently. So that's what I would like to see, people really uh, connecting. Yeah, that's beautiful, Christy. And I think about, I was on a call earlier today with um, uh, Administrator uh, Isabel Guzman, who was just um, confirmed, which was so exciting to see just you know, more women who are so super qualified and embracing diversity, equity, and inclusion in all forms. And I am certain with the leadership of you and many of your colleagues that we are going to do, I think, 
um, what our current president wants to see, which is really to build back better and, and make um, make things even better than they were before and different. The other thought I had as you were speaking um, that I've been talking about with some of my colleagues is really what you said about trust. And, and that I think people, if you trust them and hold them accountable, people can do amazing things, but we have to trust ourselves to be you know, good leaders to take responsibility when things go off the rails, as sometimes they do, and to constantly be learning and sharing and growing, which is um, what you do. And we're going to be watching that with great enthusiasm and seeing um, what you do with all of your students and your colleagues. And um, I would just like to thank you, um, Christy, for sharing your story and being the person that you are and making your way forward. So my... um, (laughs) podcast co-host Jeff Smith and our producer Natalia and I would just encourage um, you to share this podcast when we publish it um, with your family and friends and anybody who's listening that wants to learn more about um, NACI can go to NACI.com and Christy how would they learn more about um, what you're doing there at the Department of Energy or if they want to learn a little bit more about the work that's going on where would they go? Yeah, so I would, um, the website we have is energy.gov forward slash diversity is one of our shortcuts. Um, We do have really long URLs, so if you go to energy.gov and go to the offices and then go to Office of Economic Impact and Diversity, you can see the breadth of our office and all the different parts. Uh, We help internally, externally. Uh, Everyone in this office is focused on really making a difference, and our leader and uh, Augustine, who is the acting director, she is a passionate uh, lawyer, full of focus, and she protects and, and makes sure that we're doing the right thing. So uh, she is a, a great resource to really um, share concerns and hopes for the work that we do because she really believes in our mission. Yet another wonderful woman to celebrate for Women's History Month. So. <laughs> On that note, thank you for tuning in. We look forward to continuing to share the stories of people making a difference and wish you a wonderful day. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope that listening to this podcast will help you to explore the many ways we might define entrepreneurship. Join us every other Wednesday for more episodes as we celebrate opportunity learn from one another, and grow together. Subscribe to this podcast, connect with us on social media, and learn more about today's speakers at nacy.com forward slash podcast. We look forward to making our way forward together with you.